welcome to Vital Voices. Today's guest is in a unique position to know a lot about Knoxville, Tennessee. Kristen Combs is Director of Communications and Social Strategies for Visit Knoxville, the official convention and visitors bureau for Knoxville and Knox County. And she's the author of a new book, 100 Things to Do in Knoxville Before You Die. Kristen, welcome to the program, and congratulations on the publication of your new book. Thank you so much. appreciate you having me on. There's a picture of a bucket on the book cover, and this is really a bucket list book when you get down to it. That's right. All kinds of things and maybe more than 100 to do in Knoxville. The audience for this book is pretty broad, it seems to me, from first-timers visiting Knoxville and Knox County to those who may have lived there for their entire life. Absolutely. I'd say it's good for really any of those categories, whether you're a first-time visitor, maybe you're coming back a couple of times, maybe you've recently relocated here, or exactly that, you've been here for quite some time and you think you've done it all, but I can guarantee you haven't. Yeah, it's a wonderful book, a delightful book. Let's jump right into some of the subjects. First of all, Knoxville has a couple of nicknames, the Maker City and the Marble City. Explain those. Sure. Well, I would say maybe the Marble City one might be older. Uh, That's a reference to all the marble quarrying that was done here in Knoxville's past. And you can experience some of what that looked like today. If you go over to Iams and check out Mead's Quarry, you can actually see where that quarry was and go for a swim in the waters that have filled that space. So you could go for a paddle, you could sunbathe, relax, hike around the quarry or check out another quarry over at Fort Dickerson, Augusta Quarry. You can see that and see a lot of the Civil War history there as well. So uh, lots of different angles from history to the outdoors. And then for the Maker City, that brings in Knoxville's incredible art scene. There's a lot of makers here from artists, creatives, people that are in the food scene, beer, painting, drawing, photography. I could go on and on. As you may know, I lived in Knoxville for a while. And when I think of Knoxville, one of the first things that comes to mind is the Tennessee River. How has that river shaped life in Knoxville over the centuries? You know, I don't think Knoxville would be what it is without it. Uh, At one time, it was, of course, a big component in regards of traveling uh, to get from one place another on this river. So that's certainly uh, something that I think is very important. And it gives us a lot of opportunity today. If you want to paddle it and experience hiking along it, it's right through the heart of our city. And I think there's some other interesting facts, too. Uh, For the Vols fans, you may know that we're one of two universities that have a stadium right on the water. The sun sphere, of course, dominates the skyline of downtown Knoxville. It was built for the World's Fair in 1982. What is in that structure now and what are future plans for it? 
Yeah, so the Sun Sphere is definitely Knoxville's iconic structure, as you mentioned, built for the 1982 World's Fair. And a lot of people don't realize that it's a similar structure to, say, Paris's Eiffel Tower or the Seattle Space Needle. Both of those structures were also built for World's Fairs. So pretty iconic that we have something like that here in Knoxville. Today, visitors can go up to the fourth floor observation deck that is managed by Visit Knoxville for a beautiful 300 60 degree view of downtown and on a clear day see straight to the Smokies it's a really good way to kind of acclimate yourself and get a lay of the land and see some other attractions and things to do while you're up above you can see uh, several things like uh, the Museum of Art you're overlooking World's Fair Park, the aforementioned Neyland Stadium, and the University of Tennessee's campus. You can see across the river over into South Knoxville and into the urban wilderness and beyond. So I definitely recommend anyone that comes to Knoxville, if you're just visiting or if you've been here and you haven't been up in a while, go check it out and uh, get that view. And in terms of what's going on, it's in the process of being painted back to its original blue. Uh, Pantone classic blue it was in 1982. That blue represented the sky and of course the sun, the sun sphere. The theme of that fair was energy turns the world. So you can see that beautiful golden sun and soon to be beautiful blue base. The first chapter in your book is food and drink. In that chapter, there are several meat and three restaurants listed. Let's focus on one of them, one of them that I know in downtown Knoxville, an institution called Pete's. Oh, yes. Love Pete's. Pete's is a great place. It is really the quintessential diner. Uh, I don't know many people that come to Knoxville and don't visit Pete's. It's a, a great place to get that cup of coffee get some pancakes and a hash brown and get your weekend started uh maybe especially before uh going to if you're here on a wednesday maybe going to the farmer's market or if you're maybe headed to the visitor center and popping into uh to visit with the wdbx blue plate special pete's is a great way to get the morning started let's go back again to 1982 one of the foods Knoxville is known for is the Petro, which yes. also dates back to the World's Fair. Describe, for any listeners who may not know what it is, what is a Petro and how did it originate? So the Petro is a really unique uh, food culinary item here in Knoxville. And uh, I think it's really iconic here. I mentioned that the theme of the expo at the time was energy. So it was kind of an idea to get you powered up, so to speak. And the Petro consists, it's a, a bag of Fritos with chili. It's got cheddar and jack cheese in it, layered with diced tomatoes, uh, green onions, and sour cream. So uh, it was originally called the Petroleum Belly, and it has been since shortened to the Petro. So again, petroleum playing off of the energy theme. But now you can get a Petro at a lot of places, including Market Square, if you happen to be downtown. And there's a several other locations across the state and beyond. Let's talk about the international flavors in Knoxville, and there are many of them, and there always has been. What are some of your favorite ethnic restaurants in the city? I know you're a fan of the chicken shawarma at Yasin's Falafel House. 
oh my goodness, I am there way too frequently, I have to admit. <laughs> Yassine's is wonderful and so are the people. There is a, certainly a reason why Yassine's uh, is known as the nicest place in America as they were awarded in 2018. So i uh, love to support them and uh, support myself with a delicious shawarma. Uh, I have to say the French market is another favorite. Can't say no to a wonderful crepe. Uh, and really it's just kind of what are you in the mood for? Are you looking for maybe some Mediterranean? Are you looking for Indian? Uh, really, around the globe, you can go without going far. It's all here in Knoxville. And the presence of those international cuisines really is nothing new for the city. There are new restaurants, but Knoxville has always been home to a number of restaurants from across the world. Absolutely. And a lot of that goes back uh, centuries. That heritage has been here for some quite some time, especially when you consider something like Jig and Reel. Uh, that Scottish menu really harkens back to, I'd say, probably a century or more easily. Knoxville played a big role in the development of country music. What evidence of that history can you find in Knoxville today? Well, I would definitely say to start out at the East Tennessee History Center, uh, first of all, you're going to get a really great look at East Tennessee, a good snapshot of what this region is, who are the people and places that make up this region. And beyond that, specifically to country music, you've got people like Dolly Parton that really got their start here in Knoxville. And the East Tennessee History Center has a wonderful resource of, of country music and those artisans that really put country music on the map. I think coming from the Johnson City City, Bristol area, of course, I would think that uh, many of your listeners would be very familiar with the beginnings of country music, yes. the birth of country music, and of course, Nashville nowadays is, is Music City, where country music has completely exploded. Uh, Knoxville's kind of in the middle. It's, it's the cradle, as we call it, uh, where country music was growing up. And alongside that country music history, a lot of people may not know that there is a festival in Knoxville, Tennessee, that celebrates opera. There is. Yes, we love music of all varieties here, and opera is certainly no exception. The Rossini Festival that takes place in the spring in April is a wonderful cultural op opportunity, and I would highly recommend making plans, if you can do it, to come to Knoxville in April. And there are multiple stages, multiple performers, from soloists to full-on choirs. It is really a sight and sound to behold. I knew some of this, but I was really taken with the variety of theatrical offerings that you describe in this book. Oh, there are so many. I mean, we could have... Uh, a podcast just on that alone it's incredible from of course the state theater of tennessee the tennessee theater you've got across the street the bijou theater so if you're looking for live performances concerts broadway you've got the clarence brown theater that is on the university of tennessee's campus the theater downtown and others there's a lot of opportunity for live performances here as we look toward the holidays, what will be happening in downtown Knoxville this season for Christmas? 
Oh, downtown Knoxville is such a joy during the holidays. It's really the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, I think it kind of gets kicked off with the regal celebration of lights is something everyone looks forward to. That's with the lighting of the big Christmas tree, live music, of course, free photos with Santa. That happens Friday, November 24th, just after Thanksgiving. And then the Revelry continues with Holidays on Ice. That's where we're, there's the ice skating rink and open air skating opportunity that's in Market Square. Of course, the Christmas parade takes place on December 1st. We'll have Tour de Lights, which is another favorite, and that's going to be happening December 9th. And if you're not familiar with that one, it's a fun, free, family-friendly bike ride that goes through downtown. And people get uh, in the holiday spirit. They decorate themselves, their bikes. It's a really great way to get festive and have a good time during the Christmas season. Of course, the title of the book is 100 Things to Do in Knoxville Before You Die. But since you published that book, have you discovered 101st, 102nd, 103rd? Where would you go from there? Oh, my goodness. I am in constant discovery of new things to do. Uh, I just recently um, popped into Millie's Kitchen, a Puerto Rican restaurant on Alcoa Highway that I hadn't been to before, and it was divine. The food was phenomenal. The people were so kind. I will certainly be a return customer there. There's definitely more things that have opened since. And luckily for me, uh, maybe unluckily for my waistline, a lot in the food category. And... (laughs) But on the other hand, there's new hiking trails that I haven't been on. So I think it balances out. (laughs) This book is, is just full of great information. How did you go about gathering and absorbing this much material? Oh, goodness. Well, working at Visit Knoxville has really been the the biggest benefit to this. I'm constantly helping people from our website or on social media, working with journalists that come to write stories about Knoxville and sharing my passion about all of the things that are there here to do. And then just kind of making a compilation of them. So it was definitely hard to narrow it down. But anyone who flips through the book will see that there's quite more than a hundred. We mentioned the traveling the globe around with international cuisine. That page alone, probably I managed to sneak in 20 places. So uh, certainly more than a hundred things to do in Knoxville. Kristen Combs is the author of the book, 100 Things to Do in Knoxville Before You Die. Kristen, thanks for joining us on Vital Voices. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on. We've been talking with Kristen Combs. She's Director of Communications and Social Strategies for Visit Knoxville, the official convention and visitors bureau for Knoxville and Knox County. And she's the author of the book, 100 Things to Do in Knoxville Before You Die. Vital Voices is heard every Saturday morning at 7 and Sunday afternoon at 2 here on WETS-FM and WETS-HD1. I'm your host, Fred Sausman.